Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. We're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 9 uh, this morning, but I've got, uh, I've got good news, <laughs> something that I hopefully will cheer you up. You know, when I say I've got good news, that's not to say that there's not bad news out there. Um, there's plenty of that. However, uh, it's all the bad news that makes the good news uh, so good. So in Matthew chapter 9, um, and really what we're going to look at is um, uh, a couple places in the Gospels where the Lord Jesus Christ says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And we're going to look at that this morning. In Matthew chapter 9, the context of this, um, this passage is a man is brought to the Lord who is sick, he's lame, he's bedridden, and his friends uh, have, have faith that, uh, that the Lord can help him, that the Lord can heal him. And so in Matthew chapter 9, we'll begin reading in verse 2, the Bible says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying in a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and walk. And that ye may know, that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. 
Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. Here we have uh, the Lord Jesus Christ saying to an individual, Be of good cheer, be of good cheer. Why? Because Christ, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has power to forgive sins. (laughs) He tells the sick man. He tells the lame man. I mean, of all people, someone that uh, has something to be uh, sad about, something to to be uh, down about, he tells him to be of good cheer. And not necessarily because that he was going to heal him of his physical problems. He had a disease and God was going to heal him of his disease, his disability. Sure. But the Lord says to him, be of good cheer because your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You know, I think that the more we understand the penalty for sin, the more we understand the seriousness of sin. And the Bible says that all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. The more we recognize the bad news. (laughs) The more we understand that this is good news. That the Son of God can forgive sins. You know what is the result of sin in all of our lives? Uh, James says that uh, when sin is finished, it brings forth death. Paul says the wages of sin is death. And so our biggest problem... I I believe this for every individual here. Our biggest problem is sin problem. You may have come in here this morning thinking, hey, I've got some problems. I've got some big problems. And you may not have had sin at at the top of the list. But I would tell you that sin should be at the top of the list. It is our, as humans, uh, it is our biggest problem. There it is. It brings death. And it doesn't just bring death physically, which it does, but it brings death spiritually. Paul said this. Paul says, I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. He was alive physically when he said that. He wasn't talking about he had died physically at that point. He had died spiritually. There was a different type of death. The wages of sin is death. That we were dead in trespasses and sins. This is what he, this is what he taught. And, and to, be, to be dead spiritually, this is the, the, the you know, the, it's, it's far greater than the physical. The physical diseases, the physical. Why? Because it's eternal. It's eternal. And sin kills everything in its way. It kills everything in its way. You know, the pleasure, there is pleasure in sin for a season. That's what the Bible says. There's pleasure in sin for a season. That's where the hook is at. Right? That's where it brings us into bondage. But it begins to kill everything in its way. Sin, unconfessed sin, continuing in our lives. You know what it does? It It destroys our joy. It destroys our peace. It destroys our relationships. It destroys our health. I mean, I'm just saying, I, I, continuing in these things, it brings death. It's like, a, it's like a, a roundup in our life. It just kills everything around us. Our biggest problem, I'm trying to make the point, is, is sin. 
And the fact that Christ was able to heal this man was wonderful. But the reason why he said to be of good cheer was because that his sins were forgiven. And we, we remember from last week that the, that the value of the soul is far greater, is far greater than the earthly things that we can have. I would say to all of us this morning, be of good cheer. There's a way for forgiveness. We, we, we can, that's the good news that we have to tell the world. Be of good cheer. There's a way of forgiveness. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. There's a way to know that our sins are forgiven. Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ was once offered as a sacrifice. He was offered. Offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Romans 5, 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received atonement. This is not a religious ritual that we do on Sunday mornings when we come in and sing praises to God. When we sing, How Great Thou Art, we're not just checking a box that this, is, this gets us warmed up for the message. No, we joy in God through Jesus Christ by whom we've received atonement. We sing to Him because He's forgiven us of our sins. Because He's paid our sin debt for our sins. Ephesians 1, 7. In whom, in Christ, in whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We have redemption. How? Through His blood. We have forgiveness of sins. How? Because of His grace. Romans 3, 24, being justified. We love that word, don't we? Just as if I'd never sinned, justified before God. A judicial word that the judge sees us as sinless, although we know we're not. He sees us that way. Why? Because Christ took our place. Justified. Justified. How much did it cost us? He said justified freely. It was free for me, but it wasn't free. There was a high price paid for my, for my forgiveness. There was a high price paid, justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Atonement, redemption, forgiveness, justified. How? By His grace, through His blood. It's free. Be of good cheer. If your sins have been forgiven... And by the way, you can know that your sins have been forgiven. You can know, not hope. You can know. You can come to the Lord Jesus Christ and repent of your sins. And He says that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Boy, that's good news. That's good news. The, the writer of Hebrews says their sins and their iniquities well, I remember no more. The psalmist David said this, and he knew a little bit about being forgiven. He said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He removed our transgressions. He says, put them away from me. Put them out of my sight. I choose as God not to remember their sins anymore. 
The psalmist also said in, in Psalms, and I, I was reading Psalms 107, my daily Bible reading yesterday, and all of this was jumping out at me while I was working on the message. He says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. This is why we're cheerful. This is why we as God's people are the light of the world. We're cheerful. Why? Because we've been redeemed. He says in verse 6 of that chapter, Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go into the city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. This is again why we sing these songs together. This is why we lift up our voice together as one people on a Sunday morning. Why? Because it's a good thing. It's good for, for us to praise the Lord. I think that if God's people, those that have been saved and redeemed and forgiven and been atoned for, if we didn't, the rocks would cry out. We have to worship the Lord and thank Him and praise Him with our, with our voices, with our songs. He says, For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. I believe this, and I believe this to my core, that there is, there is a God-sized hole in each and every individual that is, being, is, is constantly being tried to be filled with all kinds of things. But only God can, can satisfy the longing soul. Only God can fill the hungry soul with His goodness. So let our faces show. Let our voices be uh, lifted up when we sing and praise the Lord. Why? Because we've been forgiven. We've been, we, if we've experienced this uh, salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, can I say, be of good cheer. <laughs> be of good cheer. There's another place in the, in the Gospels that he says be of good cheer in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, 27. The Bible says, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Jesus says, Be of good cheer, it is I. The context of this, which we'll see, we're going to read a parallel passage of this in, in Mark, is that they're in the midst of a storm. They believe that their ship is going to go down. They're in the midst of the, the waves are raging, the winds are blowing. Uh, the, these fishermen are afraid because they think they're, uh, th- this is it for them. They're in fear for their lives. And while they're there in that situation, they see an individual, a form of an individual, coming across the water. They think is a spirit. Now they say, man, it's bad enough. We're in a storm. Now we're seeing ghosts, right? And the Lord says to them, Mark chapter 50 and verse uh, 52, he says, for they saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the winds ceased. And they were what? Sore amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Here in this situation where the Lord tells them to be of good cheer, before he does, they are troubled. 
Have you ever been troubled? I know you have. It's just, you know, this is a kind of a human experience when anxiety begins to take over, right? You begin to get uh, fearful. You begin to uh, panic. And you know that you don't make good decisions when you're in this state, <laughs> when you're fearful and troubled and panicking. But if you were to put yourself in their position... I, I can't uh, say that I wouldn't be either if I thought my ship was going down and then I see a ghost coming across the water, you know. Uh, but the winds, the winds and the seas obeyed his voice. And they were, went from being troubled to being in amazement, to being in wonder of the glory and power of God. Even the winds And the waves obey his voice is what they said. Wow. And I believe that this is another way for us to be of good cheer. For us to be of good cheer is to recognize the power and greatness and glory of God. For us to focus on, you know what God can do? God can do anything. I mean, to recognize that God is able. He is abundantly uh, able. He is more than capable. He is able to do any of the things. He has all power in heaven and earth. And here's the thing. The Lord said that they were fearful, that they were afraid because they had forgotten what God had just done. We just preached a couple Sundays ago about how God multiplied the bagels and bluegills, right? And fed the thousands, fed the thousands. And here they are, just within just a short time after this, they had forgotten the miracle of God. They had forgotten God's capability. And had they remembered, they would have been able to have peace in the midst of the storm. I believe that that's what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us in these these passages. Is yes, He has power to calm the storm. There's no doubt in our mind. He has power to calm the storm. But he also wants of us, his believers, his people, his followers, to have peace in the midst of the storm, which is also possible. We will go through storms in our lives. We will. But what is interesting here is it was easier. Think of this. We think, wow, no one else but God could calm the the storm of the sea, the winds and the waves, obey his voice. But it was easier, as hard as that is, think about this. It was easier for God to calm the sea than his followers' hearts. They were so troubled that he had to do this for them to calm down, for them to see his power. But here's the thing. I believe that God can give us a peace that passes the understanding. You say, why? Be of good cheer. It is I. Because it is God that created the... He created the oceans. He created the winds. He created everything. And as we focus on Him and remember His power, remember His capability, one of the things I believe that really builds our faith is when we read the Old Testament examples. And these are written for our, for our strengthening of our faith. As we get into the Bible and reread the s- stories of Esther and, and, and David and Daniel and Joseph, and so on and so forth. You know what happens? It's the same God today that you and I serve, that they served. And we can know that God has power to deliver and can deliver and will deliver His people. As we go through the Scriptures and read His promises, you know what we realize? It is I. It is Christ. It is God. Be of good cheer. 
Be of good cheer. Along with that, I was reading, I told you in Psalms 107, and there's a passage there where the psalmist is talking about being in a storm. I believe all of us go through storms in our lives. We all go through storms in our lives. It's just part of being here on earth. But he says in Psalms 107, verse 26, talking about the storms, he says, they mount up to the heaven and they go down to the depths. The soul is melted because of them. Talking about the winds and the waves of the sea. He says they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Have you ever been at your wit's end? In the midst of a storm, you're at your wit's end? Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet, so He bringeth them into their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. And for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why are we of good cheer? Because he's helped us in the storms of life. Not just he has helped us, but I I can tell you, certainly, as a child of God this morning, that the next storm you face, you can look around and find that he is there with you. It is I. He will be there. You can have that hope that, hey, I may face some things in the future. Sure. He doesn't promise us that he's going to keep us from those things. But He will be there with us. He will be there and see us through it. Uh, Be not afraid. Be not afraid. You know, it's hard to be afraid and cheerful at the same time, isn't it? Those are two emotions that are kind of hard to do. He said, no, be of good cheer. Be not afraid. It is I. Here's another one where the Lord tells us to be of good cheer in the Gospels. Go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. We're going to read the last verse, but the context here is of John 16 is the Lord is preparing the minds of his uh, disciples for his followers, the apostles, for when he ascends into heaven, he's going to leave them in this world. And in this world, there's going to be tribulation in this world. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be uh, problems. He he says Um, In this passage that they're going to put you out of the synagogues. Verse 2. He says that those that kill you are going to think that they're doing God's service. So there's going to be great persecution. There's going to be all these issues that that go on. But at the end, after he warns them of all the trouble and all the problems that are going to come. You know what he says? John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you. These things, what things? The warnings of all the trouble and all the problems and all the stuff of chapter 16 that he goes on. These things have I spoken unto you. That in me you might have what? Peace. In the world you shall have what? Tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. (laughs) That's what he says. Yeah, all these things are going to happen, all this trouble, yes. But be of good cheer. I have overcome. What a statement. What a statement from a man that was a Galilean carpenter who didn't have an army behind him. What a statement. 
an army that we could see anyhow. He said, I have overcome the world. Does this mean that we should be oblivious to all the problems? Does this mean that we should be oblivious to all the things that are going on in the world? No, that's not it. He says that in the world there's going to be tribulations. There's going to be problems. But be of good cheer. But be of good cheer. Now, as I said, the world can get you down. You come in here this this morning, maybe been watching the news, uh, following what's going on in the world today. I guarantee you. Uh, if you're human, that's got you down. Okay? Be of good cheer. Why? He said, I have overcome the world. Now, this isn't the kind of be of good cheer, like uh, the type of cheer you might find at your local, uh, you know, high school football game, where it's, you know, uh, everything is positive. Everything, you know, the cheerleaders, they don't know any negative cheers, do you? Have you ever experienced this? I mean, you know, the, the team could be down 35 to 0 and they're still positive, you know. We, rah, rah, we can do it. Yes, we can, you know. It's like at this point, no, you can't, right? The cheers should change. So like, I need help. We need help. Have mercy on us, right? Please put in your second string. I, we need help. Stop it. But that's, that's not this cheer. This isn't an oblivious cheer where the only message we got is a positive message. That's not what I'm trying to do here. That's not the cheer that the church has. This is not it at all. This message is about Christ preparing us for our enemy. He tells us, if we were to read that whole chapter, He tells us that there's a real enemy. The world is an enemy of God. The God of this world that's blinded the minds of them that believe not. This world system, this Babylonian system, is absolutely an enemy of God. It absolutely is. Because the church is the bride of Christ, this world system is absolutely an enemy of the, of the body of Christ. This, the, you know... We love the, I love the Gospel of John and all of John's letters. You know, John is the, he's the apostle of love, if you will. Isn't he? Read the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. He's the Gospel of love. But can I tell you, John does not teach that we're to love everything. As though he tells us the love of God in us and what we will love because of the love of God in us. John tells us also what not to love. He says in John chapter, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. John says this, love not the world. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Is that pretty clear? It is. And then he defines what the world system is, what it is. Now we know that God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's not the same world. He loved the individual. He loved the individual. God loves all all who, he died so that the sinner could be saved. But what he's talking about here and defines it here, the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, defining the world system, what drives this this world system. You know what he says? The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away 
and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. This world system, this, you know, we're to love... We're to love everything and everybody. No, that's not what John says. He says, if we fall in love with this, that is an enemy of God, then the love of God cannot be in us. This, this, and by the way, we are tempted these ways. We are tempted by the lust of the flesh. The enemy, Satan, the God of this world, does tempt us with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, but he says, hey, do not love those things. Do not love the world and its system, but love God. Love God. The God of this world has blinded the mind of those that believe not. And because of that, they're against all that is good and right and pure. It's clear in today's world. It's clear in, in today's workplaces and corporate America today, um, so many of the corporate companies are clearly positioning themselves against God's word and against what is right and pure and good and clean. And, and, and not, just, not just a little bit, but saying, we dare you to go against it and you will pay. That's the world system. This world system is attacking our children. They are. It's, you hear about it all the time. And I, you know, I'm kind of in a bubble. I, you know, I feel like I, didn't, you know, I hear all these things and I think this can't really be true. Right? The things that are being taught in education to our children. This stuff can't really be true. Someone must be just trying to drum people up to get them worried and worked up. But you know what? I found out it's real. It's real. This is, this is unbelievable. And, and it's not just in, in schools. Uh, this is everywhere. Children, children can't even watch uh, uh, children's movies or cartoons anymore. There is an anti-God uh, message being propagated. I'm, you know, I'm not just saying this to stir it up. I'm just saying in the world, this is the world that you and I live in today. It's a reality. And they call, they call this progressive. I call it regressive. I do. I say this is, there's nothing progressive about this. You can look back throughout history. You find any failed society, any failed world power. You can say to Babylon, Greece, Rome, Egypt, these are all things that have been tried before and have failed. They have failed. When Moses was born, babies were being killed. When Jesus was born, that by the Egyptians. When Jesus was born, babies were being killed by the Romans. This, this stuff, this is regressive. There is nothing progressive about it. But you know what is progressive? It's telling our children that they are made in the image of God. That God made them and he made them male and female for his glory and for his honor. That this is why he did it. And you know what else we can tell this world? Is that there's a way of forgiveness. This world lies and tells us all these things that, that we can do. But we can tell the And you know what? We have a conscience. God made us with a conscience. And no matter how many judges... And no matter how many people say that this is okay or that is okay or this is legal or that is legal, when we break God's laws, 
It weighs on an individual's conscience no matter what the Supreme Court says, no matter what anyone says. When we break the laws of God, it weighs on a person's conscience no matter what the media says, no matter what anybody says. And you know what our message is? There is a way to forgiveness. You can find where that guilt can be gone, where you can feel where you're totally, no matter what sin you've fallen into, no matter what thing that you've gone to, no matter what lies you've believed, there is a way of freedom to be freed from all these bondages. This is, this is what we have. You say, you know, when Paul wrote, wrote his letters to the churches uh, in, in the New Testament, to Corinth and to Ephesus, there was so much uh, sexual perversion in the societies. Again, there's nothing progressive about these things. This is regressive. You say, well, this is discouraging. This is hard. This is, you know, I look at all the things in the world. You know what the Bible says? Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John says that the world eventually is going to pass away. I believe that. I believe what the Bible says, that one day there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth where sin will not enter in. That's what the lust thereof, all those things are going to pass away one day. The Bible tells us that there will be an enemy of the body of Christ, the enemy of the church. But you know what the other promise, along with the warning, is the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But the gates of hell will come against it. Can I tell you this? As the bride of Christ, we are called to please the Lord. Period. That's it. We are called to please the Lord. I believe that the enemy, the devil, will try to tell the church and is telling the church today. This is one of the lies that the enemy is telling the church. If you'll just be quiet and cave on social issues, if you'll cave on this or you'll cave on that, you know, uh, things that are so clearly anti-Christ in the scripture. If you'll just quit talking about it, if you'll just cave to it, then the world will come to the church and hear the message of Christ. I'm telling you, that's not true. If they won't hear the truth, they don't want the truth. You know, we could cave on every regressive issue that there is, and the world will still want to destroy the church. We cannot please the world. The church cannot please the world. The only thing we have to offer to the world is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The way of salvation, the way of forgiveness, the way of eternal life, the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. And backing down on any truth of the word of God will not buy us any favors. So you might as well just make up our minds. I'm here to please the Lord. I'm here as the church. I'm the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. So we're here to please God. We're not here to try to win popularity contests in the world. Because no matter, you know, if we, if we went and followed the most regressive uh, team uh, and, and just made our church that way, they still wouldn't be happy with us. It, it, that's my point. So why even try? Don't even go down that road. Say, you know what? We're here to please God. We're here to please the Lord. And that's all we're going to do. And by the way, it's better that way anyhow. Because he's already said he's victorious. He's victorious. He's the one. He said, I have overcome the world. The Bible tells us how it's all going to end for the God of this world. The one who has deceived. The one who has blinded the minds of those who believe not. The Bible says that one day that a, the angel is going to come down and bind up the devil. Satan. 
That old dragon, the serpent, the deceiver of the nations. The Bible says he's going to bind them up and seal them for a thousand years. And after which he's going to be loose for a little season. And then he'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. That's what the Bible says is going to happen to the deceiver and Satan. Hey, if it's already written, who's going to win? Why not just stay on the winning side? You say, well, I'm a little discouraged right now because it looks like, you know, we're the minority, that, that, that this is so unpopular. They're you know, saying that this is not cool, right? Who cares? We know how it's going to end. If you ever, listen, if you ever, if you ever had the chance to choose, you know, to be on a winning team before, you know, this is a guaranteed thing. Would you want to be a part of a guaranteed thing? If you had the choice to be on a team that was 100% guarantee you were going to win, uh, you had the choice. You want to be on the winning team or the losing team? I know what Team Finnegar would pick. He would pick the winning team. I guarantee you he would. And, but this is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has overcome. Not will. He has. It's done. He said, I have overcome the world. I was reading C.H. Spurgeon. Uh, one of his messages about um, this passage, I have overcome the world. He said the, the remarkableness that Christ said, I have overcome the world. Not like, not like uh, Alexander. Not like, Ale- not like Napoleon. Not like whatever would be your greatest hero. Your greatest, the person that you would ever look up to to think was the greatest person that you could think. It's not like that. They could not say that. I have overcome the world. But Christ did. He said it. And it's true. He has overcome the world. And so, for those of you that are in Christ, for those of us that are in Christ, we are overcomers. By being in Him. Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they uh, loved not their lives unto the, to the death. This does not mean that you and I as a church, as Christians, sit back and say, well, if he's won, then we don't do anything. That's not what it means. It means that we have so much more oomph, so much more reason to serve the Lord, so much more reason to be a part of what he is doing, so much more reason to be uh, uh, involved in the call and purpose of God because we already know how it's going to end, how the outcome is going to be. He is victorious. And again, we want to be on the winning team. We want to be a part of that winning team. And he's giving us that opportunity. He's giving us that opportunity. Jesus said this in this in this passage. He said, I pray that thou shouldest not take them out of the world. Again, he's preparing our minds for the tribulation, for the troubles of this world. But he's also telling us, you have a reason for being here. We are the light of the world. You know, if, if the enemy is out there telling everyone all these different things that mount up guilt, mount up sin on individuals' uh, consciences. You know what we have? We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to say, no, that's not the right way. No, that's not what the Bible says. God made us and he says this is the right way for us. And there's a way where you can be forgiven. And there's a way where you can be in a right relationship with God. And he's called us in enemy territory to preach that message. To give hope 
for those who are seeking. You say, well, most people don't want it. Yeah, but there's some that do. There's some that do. There are some that are looking for a way. There's some that say, and I've tried all these things that the world say, says is so great and so wonderful. I've tried all of it, and I'm empty in my soul. My soul is empty, and I feel uh, burdened down by the, by the sin in this world. God told Joshua and the people of, of Israel when they went in, and, and uh, he was going to give them Jericho, the city. Before the walls came down, before the walls ever fell, before the victory ever happened, you know what he said? Shout for the Lord has given you the victory. The Lord would have us in a time right now before it's all played out for us to be of good cheer in faith, remembering, remembering that he has overcome the world so we can take up our banner. We can take up our calling for the cause of Christ under the captain of our salvation, the victor. Instead of cheering, you know, I'm good, you're good, everybody's good. That's not what I'm saying. It's not, this isn't an all positive message. But there are some cheers that we can cheer. I've got some scripture verses, some cheers for us as, as God's people. Here's one, 1 John 4, 4. Ye are of God, little children. And have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Our God is greater than the God of this world. Our God, greater is he that is in you. The light is greater than the darkness. Boy, it seems dark, sure. But God is greater. Greater is he that is in you. What a great cheer. He says in 1 John 5 verses 4 through 5. For whosoever is born of God overcometh. The world. We're talking about he is an overcomer. And because we're in him, we have overcome. He says, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith. Faith is the victory. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the son of God. How about that for a cheer? By faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Romans 8, 37, the Bible says, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always what? Abounding in the work. Listen, there is so much encouragement in continuing in the work of the Lord. When you know the outcome, when you know how it's going to end, that he has already overcome all the enemies, all our enemies. He has. He's just, he has overcome sin, hell, the grave, all these things. He has overcome. He says, so be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What we're doing, what we're called to do as the body of Christ together, it's not in vain to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, to stand for the truth no matter if the whole world goes the other direction. No matter if the whole world goes the other direction, to stand on what is right and what is true and what is pure and what is good is not in vain. Why? There's an eternity. There's an eternity. He says in the last year, Romans 12, 21, be not overcome with evil, 
but overcome evil with good. If we're not careful, you know what we can do? We can start focusing on all the evil. Start focusing on all the negative. Start focusing on all, all the bad news. But you know what? We can stand up and we can cheer up. And we can say, this is what God says. This is what the Word of God says. And it's right. And it's good. And it works. It works for a home. It works for a marriage. It works for a family. It works for a church. It works for a country. We can stand and say that. You say, well, it's not really appreciated. Yeah, but... We've overcome. We already know how it's going to end up. So be of good cheer. Why? I have overcome the world. Why can we cheer up? If your sins have been forgiven. And you may be here this morning. And you're carrying a load of guilt. Can I tell you the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ is that He died for our sins. That He was buried and rose again. So that you can know that you have eternal life. So that you can know that your sins, all of your sins, all of your sins are forgiven. You can leave here justified. You can go home happy knowing that you've been saved. If you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you today? Would you by faith just call out to God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I'm putting my faith and trust in your shed blood on the cross. For the forgiveness of my sins. I'm asking you to be my Lord and Savior. And to save me. You know what? He will. That's, that's the reason to cheer. If your sins are forgiven. We can be cheerful because of His presence. That even in the midst of storms. Even in the midst of the storms of life. We have nothing to fear. Why? It is I. Be not afraid. He'll be with us. He'll see us through. We can be uh, cheerful because He has guaranteed, guaranteed the victory. The victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Be of good cheer.
leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website. Or write to us at 2094 East State Route 73, Waynesville, Ohio, 45068. And feel free to visit us if you're in the South Dayton, Ohio area.